1: It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast with your host, Jamie Dew, Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna, and featuring Matt Ardill. And now, curator of the hall. Jamie Doo.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Doug Donets. It is great to be back with you all once again in the hallowed halls here at the SNL Hall of Fame. My name is JD, and it's my pleasure to welcome you inside. But before doing so, reminding you to please wipe your feet. We keep this place. Spick and Span. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair where each episode we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and we add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. That's right. This is a forever game. We, uh, we do this Forever. Uh, We are joined by a first-time guest today. It's going to be pretty thrilling uh, to listen to Thomas in conversation with Nicole Brady, who is a morning news anchor out of Denver uh, for the ABC affiliate. Uh, We're thrilled to have her here, and uh, we're also thrilled to be joined by our friend Matt Ardill to talk about Anna Gasteyer.
3: Hey Jamie, thanks. Uh, I am really excited. Love this performer. One of my yeah. favorite sketches is by her. Really? Probably can't guess which.
2: I'm not even going to try.
3: That's right, sweaty balls. I mean, oh, I should have guessed. Who doesn't that. love a good sweaty ball? Right. They're salty and very, very glistening.
2: Good God, man.
3: Um. Okay, I will stop with that. But yeah, so. Anna Gosteyer, uh height 5'5", five five, born May 4th, 1967. She was a political brat. Her, her She was born in Washington, D.C. Um, to her mom, an artist, and her dad was a political lobbyist who later went on to become the mayor of New Mexico City. The mayor of the New Mexico City of Corrales. She grew up on Capitol Hill, and one of her friends growing up was Jimmy Carter's daughter, Amy. Yeah, for much of her childhood, she childhood, she actually wore an eye patch, and she said that she believes that influenced her to become a comedian because, you know, my, you know, you know all of our growing up as a kid with a health thing, a lot of the times that's how we react to it. I know I did. That's why I uh, how I dealt with my epilepsy. Now, she, she later attended Northwestern uh, University as a music major and graduated from Northwestern University of Communications with a bachelor in speech, theater, and performance studies. While at Northwestern, she was part of Paul uh, War- Warshauer's uh, improv comedy, Meow, um, before going on to join the Groundlings. Before getting into acting, she worked as a temp switchboard operator and a hostess like many people uh, having to toil away in those really crummy jobs before hitting their big break. She is a trained violinist uh, and a singer who draws heavily from jazz influences. Yeah, She even has recorded a Christmas album called Sugar and Booze, because let's be honest, that is the core of Christmas. The Joy of Man and Sugar and Booze. So I'm going to retake that. She's a trained violinist uh, and a singer drawing heavily from jazz influences. In fact, she has even recorded a Christmas album called Sugar and Booze because what says Christmas more than sugar and booze and, you know, family strife? Uh... (laughs) She has 86 acting roles, three producer roles, and two writing roles. She's a former groundling who performed in small roles in Seinfeld, Party of Five, Frasier, and many more roles as a working actor. Her first acting role was actually, you know, talk about starting at the top. She was a a patron of a soup restaurant on the show Seinfeld. After leaving SNL, she actually found success on Broadway and has had starring roles in Wicked and the Three Penny Opera, as well as as a voice actor on shows including Bob's Burgers. Uh, she's also published a cookbook called Cooking with Anna Gasteyer, Recipes and Delicious Dishes Celebrating the Season. That really sounds like something that would, would come in a sweaty ball sack. Now, she said her favorite spices are cinnamon and smoked paprika. And as a philanthropist, she has done work to support Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and helped support Planned Parenthood.
4: Yes, J.D., Matt, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Today we are talking about a wonderful cast member from the late 90s and early 2000s. And my guest today, I have the honor of welcoming my favorite news anchor in the United States, my friend, someone who's witnessed me do hours of karaoke in a whole (laughs) lifetime ago. (laughs) I want to welcome Nicole Brady to the podcast. Nicole, how are you?
5: I'm great, Tom. Thank you. Uh, you are my favorite radio slash podcast broadcaster of all time oh gosh. from the days when we used to toss to you for traffic mm-hmm. in Albuquerque and,
3: <laughs> Yes.
5: And, and now moving up doing way more fun things, I guess, uh, getting to talk about Saturday Night Live.
4: I love talking, us Now I love doing traffic too. In, in, back in the day, in the mid two thousands, Nicole was a news anchor in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I did traffic for for a radio station. So I would do traffic for the TV station, and we had a lot of uh, fun times. As, as much fun as you could have at uh, six a.m. <laughs>
5: oh, <laughs> talking yeah. about the
4: traffic on television, but it was a great time. I love those days.
5: <laughs> yes, it, it was. It, it, it it's uh, it's crazy to think how how long it's been. Uh, sometimes it seems like a different, a different lifetime ago, like you said. Uh, and then we're both still involved in it though. And I know Mm -hmm. you were always really into, uh, broadcasting and comedy and, and so was I. And so I'm glad we're both still talking about this stuff.
4: (laughs) Yeah, this is wonderful. It's all, it's all coming together. You have to remind me, what was your go-to song when we would go do karaoke?
5: Ooh, good. Great question. Did I have a go-to um God, my husband as you yeah. remember certainly would have no, had No he brought the his, house down His go-to <laughs> Um I ah what do I like? I don't know. I um gosh, Tom, you put me on the sp- I was all prepared to talk about SNL and not <laughs> not my own karaoke history.
4: Well, I did Marvin um, Gaye. I think you had the privilege of watching me do like Marvin Gaye and probably Careless oh, yeah. Whisper. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. a total eclipse of the heart. Maybe I have a memory of that. So. Yes.
5: Yes. Uh, th- those, are, those are good ones. Yes. Uh, no, my, my husband used to like to do, I'm just a gigolo. I don't know if you remember
4: mm-hmm. that one. Yep. Yeah, that's right. He always
5: liked that. We he did, did do, good David I think, Lee Roth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> David Lee Roth version. Yes. Uh, no, we would do some duets, I think sometimes. Mm-hmm. We used to like to do the Pogues' "Fairy Tale of New York."
4: Yeah, deep
3: cut uh, for together. karaoke. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. people appreciated that.
5: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, gotta get. We have. I have not been in a car- like publicly performed karaoke in a while now. We've done some at home, but you know, we yeah. got kids. They are getting into it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, I,
4: yeah, I think I'm retired.
5: Yeah, well, I don't want to. My wife hasn't
4: seen that side of me, so I don't want to like, embarrass her too much <laughs> oh, out in I public. Know. It's one of,
5: <laughs> yes. It was before we were recording like every moment of our lives all right? the time. So sometimes okay. that's a good thing. <laughs>
4: exactly. <laughs> and so I know you're a big comedy fan. Uh, yes. that We talked a lot of comedy in the past. And I want to know like uh, what, what's your history with watching Saturday Night Live?
0: I
5: started watching Saturday Night Live in 1992 when I was about 12. And I know that because it was the election year. Um, And so it was when Dana Carvey was doing George Bush and Ross Perot and Phil Hartman was doing Bill Clinton. And they would have their debates on TV. And my parents were fans of SNL. And I guess that was the year they just felt I was old enough and would let me stay up to watch it. But I specifically remember it being that year because because of the election. So sometime around that 92 season, I would have started watching it and and just loved it. Watch, I mean, never missed it ever since. As a child, at least through the 90s, I, I would never miss it. From there on, I remember that season would have been, you know, like we said, Dana Carvey and Wayne's World and Mike Myers and you know, Phil Hartman was still on. And I think Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and David Spade, Mm -hmm. and those guys were were getting in there in those, those years. Uh, so those are kind of some of my favorite, favorite years, you know, and then of course, I think at some point in in the nineties, you could probably start watching all the old episodes, um, on comedy central when that came out. So, um, so then I went back and watched, you know, the old ones from the eighties and seventies and have pretty much watched it ever since, but, uh, but the 90s, I was so excited when you told me that I would get to talk about Anna Gosteyer because that was like the time that, you know, so, such an impressionable time in life. And th- those were always my favorites.
4: Yeah, people around, we're about the same age. And mm-hmm. people around our general age range, yeah, that was those were our cast, the Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Phil Hartman. Comedy mm-hmm. Central and VH1 used to show, or VH, uh, yeah, ones. It was both <laughs> of them, yeah. So like, so we got a, we we were lucky enough to go, be able to to go back and watch from the seventies and on, uh, on those two networks. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was great. We we have kind of similar experiences, like I said, as a lot of people in our general age age range do. And I believe you've done a little sketch and improv. I seem to remember <laughs> going to watch you in Albuquerque do a little. Yes, bit. Yes, another impact.
5: another thing that uh, yeah. Uh, so I've retired from that, but
4: mm-hmm. yes, okay.
5: Uh, we did. Brian, Brian, my husband, and I took uh, improv classes in Albuquerque together, and then performed a little bit. Yeah, I. I it was not the best, uh, but I always I appreciate liked it. it may- <laughs>
4: I had fun some of, them, some of those
5: guys, some of the people we worked with were awesome and hilarious, and they still perform in Albuquerque at the Box Theater. So for your listeners there, uh, they're amazing mm-hmm. and awesome. Um, and, and so we continue to go watch them a lot. But we have since sort of retired from that. Um, but of course, I always really appreciated the difficulty of improv or sketch comedy and how difficult it is to make it funny. So I've always loved, you know, whenever we've gone to New York, Chicago, LA, uh, we go to the improv clubs, we go to the ground league, second city, where most of the SNL casts have mm-hmm. come from. I mean, we love all that stuff.
4: Yeah, as, I mean, as someone who's dipped your toe in that, try to put it in perspective, like what does it take to make sketches work at such a high level like Anna did and other SNL performers did? Like what all goes into that from your perspective?
5: That's a great question. For <laughs> um, from, from my limited perspective on that, I always love it when I watch an SNL sketch that I can feel was something that someone just sort of improvised or came up with, and then they just ran with it. And sometimes I feel like the best sketches are the ones that are kind of goofy. They don't really seem grounded in anything topical, or mm-hmm. um, or, or, or or like an I, an idea that someone wrote down on paper, but rather more of just sort of someone someone just getting up there and acting, and 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 maybe it started as as a sketch they were trying, but it ran it ran with something and, and went some other direction. And I feel like I'm sure that that has to happen all the time. I'm sure. So as you know, the writers are obviously extremely important to the show, um, but I also think that sometimes just those Characters and those actors can probably just just take some of those sketches and in different directions, and so both are really important. I mean, I I think writing good comedy is way more difficult than I would even know because that timing, it's just so hard to nail. And I mean, I think we all know there are some really awful SNL sketches in the history of that's, the show that absolutely just that's the work. fun of
4: being an SNL yeah. fan. Though I think a lot of times <laughs> seeing the bad ones because there's yes, plenty. Exactly. It's hard, yeah.
5: But then there are brilliant uh, ones mm-hmm. that stay with us forever.
4: So. I don't know if you're like me, like I always like the ones at the end of the show, like the ten to one sketches, just yeah. the oddball. Let's try <laughs> this out and see if it sticks. Those are always like a lot of my go to SNL yeah, sketches. Yeah, I the love weirdo those. Ones. Sometimes,
5: sometimes that, those were the best in the whole episode because they were just like the end of the show almost got cut. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes those are the gems. <laughs>
4: Yeah, definitely. So our topic today is Anna Gasteyer. She was on the show from 1996 to 2002. That was an era that immediately followed a time when the show was actually in genuine trouble. Season 20, the show was in trouble. Uh, They always use the the headline like Saturday Night Dead. But this is a time when that was almost going to come true. I think the humor, Nicole, was a little more crass, maybe not as clever, before Anna got there, Anna got there in season twenty-two. So maybe a season before Anna got there, they were starting to whip themselves into shape a little bit. But it was honestly like very much a boys' club yes. at SNL around that time. And she's often grouped with Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon for good reason. They were great. So I mean, how cool was it from your perspective to be able to see like such talented women help to get the show back on good footing?
5: Yeah, that's a great question and and something I thought about a lot preparing for this. I don't know that I would have appreciated it as much um, as a teenager watching it. But, you know, now looking back over even more time, I mean, wow. So so by the time Anna Gasteyer was on, the show had already been on for over 20 years. Uh, it's been even longer now since she was a cast member on that or just as long. Um, and so when you look over all that history now, you can still really only point to... I mean, such a small group of women versus the group of men who would have gained fame and and be household names from that show. And there are a lot more women now. Uh, But she was really, like you said, Anna, Gasteyer, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon were kind of the first ones in the 90s. They had had, you know, really only a few before that. That I think I even looked through the history and there was one season where I think Julia Sweeney was the only... Main player right. and not a featured player, but one of the main cast members. She's the only only woman, and uh, and so th- and there were always women in there, featured players, things like that. But but just to to kind of go from those, like you said, that boys' club of maybe Adam Sandler, David Spade, Chris Farley, uh, those guys who were kind of you know taking the show in a different direction, like you said, to this newer era of really really great. Actors and tight, you know, tight sketches and like, characters and more equal balance between um the actors, more of an ensemble, I guess you'd say. That was pretty cool. And it's definitely noticeable now when you if you were to go back and look look through those years again, how remarkable that change was from kind of the, the guys who wanted to be the funniest person, you know, Adam, I mean Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, David Spade, they were stand-ups. They that you know they were they were hilarious. I mean, I loved Those years, don't get me wrong, but then you get into the years where it's not the people, but it's the sketches that you remember. It's the delicious dish, the NPR sketch with Anna Gasteyer, or the cheerleaders, or 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 Molly Shannon as Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yes, Uh, so so you have those years that come in, and it's more about these sketches and Will Ferrell as brilliant and amazing and, and as he is. I think I've read other people say this too. I mean, it was all about the sketch partner there too. And he always made whoever he was with look amazing too. And so it was never really about him being this standout star from that era. Um, even though in hindsight, he he was. He was absolutely one of the most brilliant stars to ever come from the show. But everyone looked good during those years. Um, and, and, and I think the women, you know, it was really uh, the first time in a long time you'd seen Fully female-led sketches in some of those those instances that I mentioned with the NPR uh, ladies there, or um, some of Anna Gasteyer's characters that we that we'll talk about more when she did The View with uh, where she would mm-hmm. play different characters on that, and Sherry O'Terry was Barbara Walters, and and so you really started to see a lot more women-led sketches that at, during that time.
4: Yeah, that was such a pivotal point as far as that goes. We had Jan Hooks; she was probably the most memorable. Few years before them, but even she, like that perspective, she she wasn't always able to, or maybe allowed, I don't know, but she she didn't always give that the perspective quite like Anna and Sherry and Molly mm-hmm. did. Uh, Jan Hooks served different roles in a lot of sketches. A good example, I think, of like that trio and that dynamic to me was there was a sketch from October of '98. The three of them played hosts on MSNBC. They were discussing the Hillary and Bill Clinton's marriage. And it went from, like, a semi-serious news program to a slumber party. Do
0: you think Hillary Clinton is pretty? Oh, she is definitely pretty. Oh, come on, that left-wing feminist propaganda. She's not that cute. She has a very pretty face. Sharon. Hmm. Well, not to sound like the president or anything, but it really depends on how you define pretty. I mean... <laughs> She's not like model pretty, you know, but like on a scale of one to 10, if one was like the Crypt Keeper and 10 was like Jennifer Love Hewitt, I'd say she's like a, you know, like a six or a seven. Oh, come on. Mm -mm. I think Hillary's the kind of pretty where like if you didn't know her, she wouldn't catch your eye. But if she was your friend, you'd be like, oh, she's totally pretty, you know?
4: (laughs) Something like that you might see in the late 70s with Gilda and Jane and uh, Lorraine Newman but something like that we hadn't seen to me we hadn't seen something like that in a long time Lucy Lawless was playing a legal expert who got in on the fun so just to see that perspective of like we're serious news people now it's a slumber party because that's you know that was commentary on how the Clinton scandal was being covered uh, around that time that was just yeah. such a, like a great example to me of of that perspective and how the three of them played really well together
5: I loved seeing some revisiting some of the commentary on on Bill Clinton <laughs> that they had during that time. That was that was fun.
4: So we could get into some of those sketches and characters. Yeah. So what's like maybe the first one of the first ones that comes to your mind when you're thinking of Anna Gasteyer?
5: A couple. I mean one of, one of the first ones that comes to mind is the. I mean I loved Delicious Dish NPR. Mm-hmm. They nailed that so well, and I remember because i would drive to school at that time so you, i do remember listening to npr and they they were so spot on with with how those hosts talked
0: now terry the days are getting longer and the mercury is rising <laughs> it sure is margaret joe and that can only mean one thing summer summer <laughs> now one of my favorite things about summer is that you can have your meals outside that is neat yeah it's fun because it's warm it's warm outside yeah summer's my favorite season same here because it's hotter than the rest of the year yeah it sure is yeah it's neat isn't it it's fun it's neat it's It's good Good times times.
5: (laughs) compared to how most of us listen to the radio and the shock jocks and whoever that you listen to the radio, um, you know, back, back then. And, and still today, to some extent, I don't really, I was part to- of a morning yeah.
4: zoo myself the morning, kind exactly. of a little bit on KOBFM. I was yeah, kind of exactly. like a part you, of something like that.
5: You, you, exactly. You have that <laughs> stuff. And then, and then so NPR was just so different and they just nailed that. And even, you know, they were so funny with their soft spoken and, and their comments to each other. And just, it, it, it's, it's hilarious. They just, uh we're so spot on. and and then, of course, they had just the funniest topics and guests. I mean, the sweaty balls with Alec Baldwin is, is a Christmas classic.
0: Tell us about your balls, Pete.
3: <laughs> well over, at seasons eatings, we have balls for every taste. Popcorn balls, mm. cheese balls, rum balls, you name mm. it.
0: Wow. My mouth's watering, just thinking about those. <laughs> It's been years since I've seen any balls.
3: Would you like to see my balls now?
0: Yeah. yeah. Whip them out.
5: That just is one of those that's in pop culture now. That's, you know, if you say that term, people know what you're talking
4: <laughs> Hopefully, about. Hopefully, yeah.
5: Usually. And, um, and then they, you know, I, watched, I rewatched an episode with John Goodman on there that, um, that cracked me up. Uh, So the guests that they would get on, what they would get the host host to do in there. So funny. Uh, So I I loved that one.
4: Something about the delicious Mm -hmm. dish, what really stood out to me was just how it takes a lot of confidence to do something so quiet, to do material that quiet. Like it was very quiet, understated, even before all the innuendo would start. Mm -hmm. like With the sweaty balls, Alec Baldwin didn't, didn't get on screen for like two and a half minutes. Sometimes that's an entire sketch. So Anna and Molly Shannon had to carry the sketch with with an understated, quiet kind of tone. And that takes a lot of skill. That takes a lot of confidence in the material and the performance to not shout something from the rooftops like that. Does that make sense?
5: I 100% agree. I mean, when you watch those again, you realize how just, yeah, it's not, it doesn't come out and it is slow. They're longer sketches. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know what the average time for sketches, if it has grown shorter or longer or whatever over time, but, but just to let something just kind of settle in like that and rely on the characters. I mean, that must have been a lot of trust that the show that the producers that Lauren Michaels had in, in those, those actors, because I mean, they, they were lo- beloved. I mean, people, Loved SNL at that time for Molly Shannon and and Sherry O'Terry and Anna Gasteyer. I mean, they the women were uh, were a huge part of the show's success at the time, and so I think they hit on something at that time where just being funny and kind of um, you know doing pop culture references and things like that really really just worked at the
4: time. And, yeah, and even though the material is quiet, like what stood out to me too about watching Anna perform a little subtle. Thing, I guess that she like, it made the sketch work she doesn't play it as bored even though the material is quiet You never think that she's bored talking in the sketch like her facial expression is key Like she knew the right tone to carry she always has like a smile yeah. Like an excited smile on her face even though her delivery is very dry
0: I don't know if you know this but there are a lot of different kinds of ice yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right there's there's cubed ice Crushed ice? Cracked ice. Shaved ice? Shaved ice. I didn't know ice could grow a beard. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Did you just think of that right now? No, I thought of it last night and wrote it down.
4: If she broke in in these sketches, they would... like they wouldn't work like there's some sketches where it's fun to see them break something like this it would just totally ruin all the comedy so that's something about anna's performance that just struck me re-watching these was just she carried the perfect perfect tone i don't
5: know that she ever broke that i remember seeing i mean and yeah uh, you know i don't know that 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 group really was was known for for that but i mean they you know, they took it seriously um, to the extent that I mean, it was hilarious. They were zany and wild and out there, but but in the performance of it, it was all business there, and just great acting and comedic timing and really getting into those characters. I mean, I, you know, it's fun because I, I can't even, I just can't even picture on a gas star ever. Breaking up or laughing during a sketch and
4: oh, not really. uh, That was Jimmy Fallon's department in Horatio. That
5: was kind. That started a lot with Jimmy Fallon (laughs) uh, for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah.
5: Um, you know, and but but but, you know, no one was going to be the one who's throwing it off, kind of in those cases. And so, yeah, you're right. Like that would have just to laugh or just throw something else in would have thrown off that sketch. But yeah, uh, these delicious dish
4: sketches were just classic, good times. Yeah.
5: Good times, good times.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, delicious dish, awesome. Uh, what's what's the other? What's another one that you're gonna mention?
5: So, uh, of course, you know, so much of Anna Gasteyer is a, like a duo. Um, obviously, so pairing her with Will Ferrell for the Culps. When
0: life's little emergencies come at you,
1: try a little CPR, Cardiopulmonary pulmonary <laughs> One, two, three, four. Here in my car, I feel safest of all I can walk on my doors. It's the only way to live in cars. in
5: cars. I mean that was when I was in school still. And so you had the the Bobby Culp uh and Mart Marty, Bobby and Marty Culp mm-hmm. coming on and doing school assemblies, playing these ridiculous songs, committing to it fully. Now, that's kind of what I meant to say earlier, is they just committed so fully that that's, that's really what I meant when I say serious. They were just so committed to those those characters. And it was hysterical. I loved... Their, those sketches when they would come on. And I, I think some some of it was being a high school student at the time yeah, and being able to relate to these ridiculous adults coming on stage to talk about drugs or <laughs> things <laughs> and um, and singing these ridiculous songs. You know, I think Anna Gaster actually has a, a very nice voice in real life.
4: She's a great right? singer. Yeah. You know, she's a trained <laughs> singer. I think she did Wicked and she's done like musicals like uh, on stage.
3: Yeah, and I think she's okay.
4: very, very good. And I think the sketches partly worked because she's such a good singer. Probably, probably. You know,
5: you can exactly. It's not horrible to listen to uh, by any means. It's just It's just funny uh, because they're just so out there and wild. And I, I love that one because with both Anna Gasteyer and Will Ferrell, I just, I just feel like they. Worked together so well they 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 might have played they played off each other so well Mm -hmm. um you you know again there might i imagine there was probably some improv in a lot of the rehearsals for those
4: yeah Yeah, Um, i think so the the mm -hmm. two of them and paul Appel helped them write this so i think the three of them did a lot of improv there at the office and yeah what a what a fun, fun sketch. I used to perk up, like when these would come on, I just always wondered what songs they would sing.
3: During, yes, during exactly.
4: like, yeah, what are we going to get? A lot of the times it Fair was like end. a, yeah, it was a hip hop song with subjective Baby lyrics. Baby Got Back. Baby Got Back, <laughs> something like that, which I think was one of our karaoke songs, to be honest with you. So it kind of fits, but.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. Those great <laughs> 90s songs. <laughs> uh, so, you know, no, th- that was amazing. I loved her as Martha Stewart and Celine Dion, so we can talk about both of those. I mean, so yeah. so obviously, we talked about some some pairings uh, that she had uh, as a solo kind of performer. Obviously, Anna Gasteyer could hold a whole sketch on her own. I recently was I was reading uh, in getting ready for this that I, I just googled Anna Gasteyer Martha Stewart, hoping to find a clip, and. Of course I did, and and that, but I was reading that she credited the the topless Martha Stewart <laughs> Thanksgiving clip with preserving her job there. She said in an interview that that was when she knew she wouldn't get fired from the show because it just was such a hit. And it was. That has come up in a lot of the holiday specials, of course, over the years. So it's one of the sketches that I'm a little more familiar with that, um, of, of her Martha Stewart impressions. And it cracks me up every time. Hi there,
0: I'm Martha Stewart. It's my favorite time of year: sleigh rides, caroling, and wassail. These are just some of the things that remind us all of Christmas.
5: She's so deadpan in a way, and and dry, like you said, similar to to some of her other characters, but just just hilarious. <laughs> uh, with with with. Uh, you know, just a, a black bar over yeah.
3: her,
5: her top there, and yeah. um, and and yeah, the whole thing—it's it—it's just so brave, and she's just you know really out there, bearing all 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 on her own out there. Um, but bar- Martha Stewart was brilliant again, kind of like NPR, it just nailed the absurdity of of her in some ways of of that that character of having this homemaker like that on TV, kind of. And so that was that I just always loved Martha Stewart.
4: Around that time, Martha Stewart, that was before she went to prison. Yes. So she wasn't, she was just thought it's just kind of cookie cutter, no pun intended, uh, boring kind yeah. of lady on TV. So that's where a lot of the comedy came in. Then afterwards, she has a little more, she's best friends with Snoop Dogg now and she's been yeah. <laughs> in jail. But back then in <laughs> 1997 or 98, she was had just this square, dry persona. So so it was even funnier <laughs> back then. Everybody saw Martha Stewart topless with the black bar covering her. And it was like it was like such a kind such of- a opposite of how we viewed Martha Stewart. Oh yeah. Scandalous kind
5: of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: And that shoulder shimmy at the end that she yes. does. Just like the <laughs> the perfect like capper to that sketch. It was wonderful. She had two other really good ones that I liked, like uh, um If anybody hasn't seen these, go look them up. It's a St. Patrick's Day sketch with when she played Martha Stewart. It was like Mm -hmm. a little edgier persona. Again, in that St. Patrick's Day sketch, it's uh, kind of played against type as as far as what we know about Martha Stewart. Kind Mm -hmm. of revealed a sort of dark personality underneath all of that. Uh, There's a Halloween sketch that's really funny. She's giving tips on pranks.
0: Toilet paper has become a staple of the Halloween prankster's toolkit. (laughs) I'll show you how to design... and implement a TP job that is both visually stunning and full of mischievous good cheer. This is what I did to my ex-husband's house. The egg has been the weapon of choice for Halloween revelers for hundreds of years, chosen for its sticky texture and its lingering sulfurous smell. Eggs are a great way to make a lasting impression. A robin's egg splatters in a prism of harvest colors
4: and apparently it has to do with like she mentions her ex-husband and there's a lot of like funny bitterness something unhinged underneath the surface that Anna does a good job I think of letting out in small bits I think to me too Nicole when I when I see really good comedic actors like Phil Hartman used to do this really well is where he would play it straight and have a straight delivery but you can tell there was something really unhinged below the surface is like mm. that's something that that you've noticed with some sketch performers
5: Yes, I I think you're right. Um, they are not letting on how ridiculous this could get. I think in, in mm-hmm. some ways, I, I think you're right that in, in in the Martha Stewart example, exactly. She's still she's committed to playing it so straight. And of course, when in in Saturday Night Live, as when they bring back characters, as they do over the years, we've seen so many recurring characters so you have to push it a little further each time and make it a little different each time. And so I think in those later sketches, when, um, when, it, when it got darker or, or just sillier, you still have to stay fully committed <laughs> to the, um, uh, to, to just kind of the, the seriousness of the character and, and it just makes it funnier. So, uh, so I, I certainly think that that's true, especially of those recurring characters on the show. Yeah. Um,
4: a character that she was played really big, though, uh, and we were going to talk about was Celine Dion. Yes, <laughs> so which I love. Yeah.
5: I loved her as Celine Dion <laughs> because that was those. That was when Titanic came out, and that song, <laughs> "My Heart Will Go On," was n- everywhere, and you could not escape it. And uh, and she was and and so Celine, you know, people had a love hate relationship with Celine Dion. And she was hilarious. I mean, you know, the accent wasn't exactly spot on, but it was just, it was just hilarious.
0: You look beautiful. And I can't believe your album has sold 10 million copies. Actually, it was only 3 million.
1: Oh, that's right. My album has sold 10 million copies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: Would you do the honor of singing me one of your IT songs? I would be happy to. Hey, what about me? Oh, I'm so sorry, Shayna. Would you do me the honor of listening to Mariah
5: sing? Total caricature in that case, and just probably one of the bigger, like you said, more zany roles that she did was Celine Dion, and just I am the best singer in the whole world. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, she just uh, just made it bigger and better, and and I, I yeah, I always loved it when she would she would do that one.
4: Something I love about impressions you may agree is to me, it's not enough to sound like the person. Exactly. That's fine. It's more of like a parlor trick or something to sound exactly Mm -hmm. like someone There needs to be a, a viewpoint, a take about Mm. that person. And I think this, uh, Anna Gasteyer had one here with Celine Dion, the bragging about herself, Mm -hmm. often in like a passive aggressive (laughs) sort of way, (laughs) uh, liking the spotlight on her, pushing Mariah Carey played, like played by Sherry O'Carey away Uh from her. I think Anna really found a take on Celine Dion and not just a, here's an impression of Celine Dion.
5: Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That That's such a great point about impressions um, because it is impressive when someone can do a really spot on voice and I could watch uh, those great, the greats, Dana Carvey uh, do impressions all day. Not that he doesn't also do a take. I mean, he, he does, but, but some of the funnier ones are the ones that are not, you know they don't necessarily look like the person exactly. They're not. They're not dead on. But um, but they they just take it and run with it. And and yeah, uh, she definitely hit on hit on that sort of love hate relationship that we had <laughs> with Celine Dion.
4: Yeah, you had to be there in the '90s to get that full like Celine Dion everywhere, as you mentioned. Yes, it was just <laughs> in our faces <laughs> all the time. I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch any of the cinder calhoun sketches that was an interesting one the lilith fair stand-up yes. comedian
2: yeah so when did you uh, discover that you were funny cinder?
0: um actually uh it's a funny story i was backstage with tracy chapman at the random acts of kindness tour uh, a couple years back and she was kind of down sort of in an emotional k-hole of sorts you know and i really wanted to lift her spirit so we decided to you know just take a ride down to the the juice tent, um, and so we get in her car and I just turned to her and said, you got a fast car. <laughs> we practically peed our pants. We were
5: laughing so hard. That was not one that I knew her as well for, mm-hmm. and so um, so that was kind of fun. I, I did. I watched that, that uh, the the one she did with Sarah McLaughlin. and, you know, but again, it is, it's very, it was very 90s uh during that <laughs> uh that era of female musicians, Lilithair. Uh it it takes you back to those uh those years, definitely, with like, you know, Lisa Loeb and the and and this the style that of of so many of those nineties singers um that was really fun uh to, to reminisce about
4: yeah her pronunciation of like latino and latina yes. <laughs> just like the real kind of try hard
5: yes, sort of I thing that,
4: that we saw in the 90s that sarah mclaughlin one it's like a thanksgiving song it's it's like a no semi-thanksgiving classic on snl <laughs> basted in blood
5: yes so set your tables
0: america from birmingham to branson but when you carve
4: Such a good um, take on that type of person.
5: <laughs> yeah, that political stance that uh, that was popular, and and yeah, yeah. It, ex- exactly. It just it was very true to the time.
4: Did you get a chance to watch the uh, the sketch that I sent you for a specific reason? It was the nine News Morning Edition. one? Yes, I did. All right, so this was one where it was in season twenty seven. Anna Gasteyer was in, and uh, she plays a news anchor uh, along with Will Ferrell. And some stuff goes wrong in the studio. So I'm curious, like watching this sketch as a news anchor, how would you handle some of this stuff? So like one of the things is first they start with no chairs. So they're just like, they're just like super (laughs) short behind the news desk. Like what would happen? If you just showed up to, to work and there's like no chair behind the
5: desk, So, so I don't, uh, you know, we've now I don't know that we often show up with no chairs, but they're all over the place. You know, different people sit in them. So they're down really low or they're up really high. I mean, they, we, we definitely have that problem where you can't adjust it. And so we're there trying to bounce on the chair to get it to go down. Cause it's been raised yeah. all the way up.
4: Someone's doing a countdown something. for you. Um, you have like five seconds and you're still yeah, trying to adjust it. chair. i sitting there
5: like trying to get my chair down. You, I mean, honestly, this is not a story that would entertain, I'm sure, most of your listeners, but we have had the biggest battle over chairs in the newsroom I'm currently in that <laughs> I won't even get into. It. it became a thing where we were uh, on the mornings. We, we we kept seeing these emails back and forth between some of the talent in the day, daytime and the chairs complaining about the chairs and the guy who's in charge of the chairs working to get better chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and we just laughed like, "What? Where? What? What is? What is the problem? Just get us <laughs> <some> <laughs> so chairs that it's work." Like, it's,
4: it's um, a currency so it or something, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
5: It really, exactly. It really is ridiculous. Some of the things that that are so true to a real newsroom when whenever SNL has made fun of news, and I mm-hmm. love when they make fun of news. Of course, they are dead on with so much of it. I mean. Uh, so much is kind of a cliche uh, that the anchor anchors have egos and <laughs> um, and and uh, what's going on when you're not supposed to be on camera when you think you're not on camera yeah. but the camera pops up and so in that in that when you sent me the nine News morning uh, morning show it's just like that it's like it's like people who are trying to be really friendly because it's a morning show as you and you 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 were part of a morning show you know how it is yeah. um, and you're trying to just kind of keep things, um, you know, happy and, and then things are going wrong. Like the tape goes wrong and, uh, and, and you have to think that's kind of the, some of the origins of Ron Burgundy with uh, Will Ferrell. That's a good
4: point. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That's probably like a really good point.
5: I, I, mean, I've heard he based it on, on an actual old anchor in, in, um, you know, somewhere where he lived, uh, growing up and, um, and, and I'm sure there were many inspirations, but you know, you start to see in those old ninety 90- news sketches that hint of Will Ferrell, that that mm-hmm. arrogance. And
4: <laughs> there was that wake up call- and smile where it basically turned into Lord of the Flies because the teleprompter yes. went out. The te-
5: exactly, <laughs> the teleprompter, You know, the tape guy's not there. They keep playing the wrong tape. Yeah, uh, they show Will Ferrell like picking his nose in one spot. I mean, I've been I've been caught on camera where you think it's supposed to go to the other guy and it comes to you. And I think I've okay, never been caught picking my
4: nose. Eating a sandwich on oh, a gas tire, eats a sandwich she when she's off sand- camera. <laughs> have you ever eaten a sandwich, Nicole?
5: We, okay. So yes, I have been caught with food in my mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> not too many times, but, um, I've been caught with, uh, having, having taken a bite of something and it comes back to you sooner than you thought. And, I honestly, I think the last time it happened to me, so a few years ago, but I, it wasn't like gum or something where I could just kind of spit oh, it out real quick. I just had to say, I just had to finish chewing it.
4: <laughs> this is great. You're going to go continue. viral one of these days.
5: I know. I know. I'm, I am <laughs> I guess I, sometimes I wonder if, if they don't go, if, if no one's calling and complaining, does that mean no one's really watching? Because I'm sure no one really needed to see me finish chewing and, <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> but um, but but no, that uh, the, all of that stuff really really happens, you know. And yeah. uh, in the real world, you roll with it and you don't necessarily comment on it. I love um, in that particular one you sent me. Someone has written lines into on a Gasteyer's copy that she's reading that are not that are just ridiculous. The
0: world's oceans may hold the secret to curing breast cancer. Recent studies at Johns Hopkins University. A certain enzyme that makes booby cancer go bye-bye. So bye-bye, booby cancer. I'm, I'm sorry, once ag- I'm sorry. Some very unprofessional writing once again, it just snuck right by me. We do I, I would never say booby, booby cancer.
1: We we yes. are we are indeed having a rough time
4: here. It's like a child <laughs> wrote, wrote the copy. Yes.
5: And <laughs> he says, like, what? What? I wouldn't say no, I didn't, I don't know who wrote this. I wouldn't say that. And... <laughs> Yeah. so so they they hype they play up the egos i mean obviously i would like to think most of us real news anchors read our stuff beforehand and would and catch anything like that and some of those would never happen to us but they love to play up that the anchors are just really people who are there reading a teleprompter <laughs> <laughs> uh, and right. anything that comes up on it um so no i
4: there was also I, a stray dog in the studio.
5: And the stray dog. What
4: would you do if there was a stray dog that just walked into your shot? At, well, there was. Anchoring?
5: It's Steve Stucker in Albuquerque. He did have his dogs in uh, the studio. You're
4: right. <laughs> did one of them ever ever go loose? Did you have any problems with, <laughs> with those dogs in studio?
5: Uh, we had. So a few that I remember. Um, one time, one of the he those dogs. Dog, Steve was a dog trainer as well and had his dogs really well trained. Uh, but one time, maybe it was a newer one pooped in front of the news director's office, right in front of her office, like he knew. And she banned dogs for like the rest of the summer. She said we were going to have the dog days of summer or the no dog days of summer. And Steve's dogs, who were always there on Fridays, were banned. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, in the end, he won, and, and they they came back, and people loved the dogs.
3: Absolutely. Um,
5: but but no, they would they would run. Around, yeah, they would uh, mostly. They were they were good dogs, but they would. Um, sleep. They would just kind of lay down anywhere in the studio. So you'd be walking over to do another shot at another camera and you're stepping over one of them. (laughs) Um, I don't remember all their names, but, (laughs) uh, but yeah, and they, and they were well behaved, but Steve would get some other animals and groups to bring on animals sometimes. And I remember a, a bird that someone brought on once that would not stop squawking. And it, it was doing it, while we had gone on to the serious news oh
0: my gosh. and this
5: bird is still squawking. I, I think I might have that on tape somewhere, but it was a, tr- I mean, that was an SNL moment. That was a true, <laughs> like there is a bird <laughs> squawking through our newscast right now and you would have to see it to believe it. And I just yeah. So I'm mean, going to, I'll have to go dig up and some old stuff and see if I can, Uh, share some of that. Um, I've gotten old enough now where we can start to to share our old stuff and it's funny now and it's not. At the time I remember I was a young, I was still pretty young. I thought it was horrible. I just couldn't believe our, our serious newscast was being disrupted by this. By this bird. Um, but now I think I would just laugh. laugh
3: yeah,
4: yeah it's funny. I, I love news hijinks. And I think SNL captures it so well. Anna was really great in this sketch, how she handled all the disturbances in the studio. So, again, uh, season 27, that was episode 12. Uh, everybody should go check that out. Um, wh- were there any other I mean, uh, performances or anything like that that we kind of glossed over? And Nicole, as far as Anna Gastire goes?
5: I actually had never seen this one live, but I watched her do Dr. Laura, uh, and that was a really funny one that comes up in her Best Of series Mm -hmm. that you can watch on YouTube. Cedric, hello.
1: Oh, hi, Dr. Laura. I just want to say that I'm honored to talk to you. Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, I'm my kid's dad. (laughs) Appreciate it.
0: Don't have time for it. What's your question?
1: Oh, well, my new wife's parents... Mm,
0: new wife! Hmm, new wife! What happened to the old wife, huh? Do we just sort of trade her in for a new model which started making a knocking sound?
1: Well, actually, she died, but my new in-laws are Well, I guess
0: we're only concerned with the new wife's parents. I guess when old wifey died, the rest of her family just went down with the ship. What's your question?
1: Um, I was wondering if I should... No, no, no.
0: Wonder is a brand of bread. Don't wonder.
5: Ask. My mother-in-law was actually a big Dr. Laura fan, so I'm pretty familiar with Dr. Laura and her style of, of advice over the radio. And she was just hilarious, just so mean to the callers and... Um, and I thought, wow, that was, that was great. I mean, just again, t- just taking a, a current uh, figure in the media and in pop culture that some people would have been, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have probably been aware of her back then. So, so that's probably why I kind of missed the sketch. But, um, but nowadays that, that just really, that had me cracking up. And then, uh, so, so yeah, that's another thing some of these, you know, are funnier on rewatch because now you really process the kind of the people in the news of the mm-hmm. time and the, and the characters. I mean, like I was saying, I really thought it was hilarious watching The View again um, and what they said about the Bill Clinton uh, situation um, with Monica Lewinsky and, and those things. Uh, so, so Anna Gasteyer, I saw she played Joy Behar on The View. She also would play a guest star at times. And so that was really funny. And again, just all female-driven. It's just it's the women uh, of the show just carrying the biggest kind of stories of the day that SNL you know would have had uh very high up in the in the show and and they were just they just nailed it
4: yeah yeah that was so good if those events had happened I think in maybe season 20 like towards the end of the Sandler and Farley years I don't know that I would trust them to handle it so well and with such clever with such clever takes behind it I think it would have been real heavy-handed if they even touched on it at all. Mm. And to me, to me, I, I think we're so, I'm so just so thankful that we have people like Anna Gasteyer who were on the cast to take on some of this material and some of these people in the news and in pop culture uh, like she did and like the rest of the cast did. I think it's for the better. I mean, that transition from the mid nineties to like Anna Gastey or Will Ferrell and them. I think it was a transition that was so much for the better. Like basically she was part of a cast that saved the show essentially.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
5: absolutely. I mean, as you, as you said, that was one of the years that they were really looking at ending it and, um, feeling it had run its course. And that really, like you said, it kind of got them back to tighter sketches you had said it had become a boys' club, but it had become kind of, you know, a little raunchier, maybe. Whereas the Anna Gasteyer era uh, of SNL uh, got a, got it back to what I would say was, I mean, in some ways, cleaner. There was still a lot of great, like, innuendo, and you, I mean, we talked about Martha Stewart topless. Like, <laughs> there was, uh, there were great moments like that that pushed the envelope, but in a way that. I think it was just smarter. It was more intelligent and higher level. So if it was, if there was any window, if there was some some crassness to any of it, it was definitely um, done in a way more intelligent way. And and I mean, I think that was a period of time where in those subsequent years, you saw Tina Fey come in and new writers, uh, you know, and a female uh, writer. And I mean, Paula Pell had been there, like you said, and. Um, and so you you did have a lot of of great females behind the the camera as well um, that were starting to craft some of this this stuff. But you know maybe it was those women who really had an influence on how how the show's direction started to change. And I think those actors that they had at that time were were a lot of them were from the groundlings.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think, think Anna's a groundling.
5: Yeah, yeah, sure Anna yeah. was a groundling, and Cherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell, I think Chris Kattan. Um, some some of them were were from that style where I know um, it was very characters really important. Um, so they they had great characters they could do. Uh, sketch writing was was really important. You know, ma- crafting these really good sketches. Um, and so so the show just kind of got tighter again to the point where you have these characters that are breaking out and people are you know dressing up as the cheerleaders for Halloween or doing. Um, doing, doing uh, SNL became sort of that cultural touchstone again, um, that that it has been at times in its history, but not all times. And that was definitely a time. I mean, my late years of high school was a time when everyone I knew knew some of those sketches from SNL. They knew the cheerleaders, they knew the delicious dish, they knew the, the NPR characters, they knew Uh, Molly Shannon as Mary Catherine Gallagher. I mean, everyone knew what was going on on SNL.
4: And, you know, an interesting tidbit, too, uh, that I found was that when Colin Quinn was leaving Weekend Update, Anna Gasteyer and Chris Parnell actually auditioned to be the new like co-anchors on Weekend Update. (sighs) Tina and Jimmy ultimately got the jobs, but Anna and Chris Parnell actually auditioned. So we almost lived in a world in which Anna Gasteyer Uh, was a Weekend Update anchor. I think that would have been pretty natural fit. Could you see Anna doing that?
5: Yes. I think uh, her and Chris Parnell both, I think, together would have been a great team on that. You know, he's kind of similar in that he committed, you know, a lot of dry characters, a lot of um, straight faced in some ways, but kind of zany underneath. And and, that, and the newscaster uh, worked really well for that because they had to be serious uh, f- facing a little bit, but with just these this ridiculousness to it all. I think they would have been that would have been awesome. Uh, it's too bad we can't have an alternate world where we saw what that would have looked like. But
4: they should release uh, the but, tapes. SNL release the audition yes. tapes. We need to see them. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that.
5: Yes, yeah, that that would have been awesome. Um but Anna Gaskart I um I was you know it's it's unfortunate um she I have not seen her subsequent work as much. I know um of course she was in like Mean Girls. <laughs> that the movie um uh and and was funny in that, you know, she did a lot of like she really did a lot of just mom roles some um, you know the wife and in scenes. I mean, SNL has always had the people they had to turn to to be the uh, the straight man or the the, the mom, the dad, the uh, the, those characters. And so if you could if you could stand out in those, I felt like um, that that showed some real talent. And she always did. She always you know she has a, a unique look uh, to some extent. I I I was looking at how old she was when she was on the show, and I think she wouldn't have even been thirty yet when she started, and so early thirties. Uh, for for those years, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, she she could play <laughs> this range. I think she always seemed maybe a little older um, yeah. than than she was, and just could could play those those roles so well. There, there. Actually, another sketch I really enjoyed rewatching that I remembered was this. this it's called the dysfunctional family. Was it Sarah yes. Michelle Gellar? Was Sarah Michelle
4: Geller. Okay, yep.
5: yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and um, and Will Ferrell just gets. Re- You know, just so angry. Will you stop interrupting (laughs) me?
0: And they're eating really loud with their...
4: Yeah, she's the perfect mom in that, too. She is. Did you pick up my dry cleaning?
0: Mm, It's not ready until Thursday.
4: I thought you said it'd be ready today.
0: No, it's going to be ready Thursday.
4: Well, you know I have that meeting tomorrow.
0: Well, I'm sorry.
4: (laughs) I wish you weren't a liar.
0: (laughs) I didn't lie.
1: Ted. I just wish you weren't a liar.
0: I wish you wouldn't call me a liar. Don't
1: raise your voice at me.
0: I am not raising my voice.
1: You do not talk oh, to me like that. To you that. You don't I talk either. to me like that. I, I work, work too hard to I deal with this stuff. I, I work too hard. hard. I am I a division head head manager in, in charge of fare, 29 people. Shut up, bitch. I drive, I drive, I drive a Dodge Stratus.
5: It's hilarious. It just Will Ferrell alone though couldn't have carried it. It had, you know, it was her reaction, and and, and that that was that made it such a perfect sketch because she, uh, again, didn't break character, held her own against Will Ferrell, a giant, and then and and then the two of them together, they're just so funny because she is kind of apologizing, and um, and then finally it kind of all hell breaks loose. But I mean, um, it's just just yeah. so funny. It was just such a a perfect example of. Of those sketches that I loved during that time that were really just kind of you know' it's, it's three people at a dinner table
4: Yeah, slice <laughs> of life
5: those are some of my favorites when when you get the the one character who who's over the top, the others have to and, and if they keep it together i mean that is that is just as funny in some ways as when yep. when you get to see a, the fewer they kind of crack up um, but i love uh, I love just thinking like how hard would it be to be in a room <laughs> with will Farrell. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> becoming unhinged at the dinner table and not, and not just, uh, start laughing and, and that, yeah. Um, oh, but a, yeah, uh, those are, that, that was a really fun one to watch. I just, um, I, I, uh, so kind of back to what I was, I, I, where I was going with that was she, she, she's played some, I know she's been in some, um, roles since. And I think even at a show, I, I do remember that, um, about auto
4: American auto bells.
5: American auto. Yeah. Yeah. I watched I a few watched episodes.
4: It. Yeah. Um, it was pretty funny. I don't know. I just got so busy. I, I but I, I would, would like to go back to it, but it had a lot of promise from what I saw.
5: Okay. I'll have to check that out because, yeah. um, I've, uh, I, every time that I've seen her in a, an interview since any, any, um, SNL reunions, things like that. She's awesome. I, I think she is so funny and and I noticed as I was rewatching Seinfeld recently, as I told you, I was watching uh, the old '90s. I'm really into the '90s nostalgia right now. She was in the Snoop Nazi episode.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I had forgotten that too. I like, recently hey,
5: that's not a Yeah,
4: yeah, I recently re- rewatched the Snoop Soup Nazi episode for an- another project that I'm that I'm working on. But like. Yeah. I I I had to I I always liked the Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the TV like on a on a guest tire. There she is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a that was a fun little treat.
5: It is, it is. She's so <laughs> uh just kind of probably the the career beginnings, getting mm-hmm. a little guest spot on that, getting kicked out of the restaurant by the soup Nazi and yeah. uh and <laughs> So, so yeah, so that, you know, it's, it's, I think she's, she's had some success since, since the show and I'm glad for it. And I would love to see her more. I would love to see her and Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon reunited somehow.
3: Right.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be so much fun. We see Molly Shannon here and there. Sherry oterry has been off the radar quite a bit over the years, but that would be so much fun to see them, to see them back. Anna came back for the Betty White episode to do delicious dish. I thought that was great.
5: Yes. Yes, I do. I know. And I've loved it when they brought back the old sketches like that, um, uh, with, in, in recent years, um, that that's fun. That's, that's all, honestly, that's still one of my favorite things now watching SNL is when they bring back someone, uh, someone older. I'm really glad people from all eras still come back on the show and that they'll reprise their old characters that we all remember, uh, when they do come back on.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that too. So, now's the point in the show where we kind of or you kind of summarize the guest, just a little summary convincing voters as to why they should consider voting for Anna Gasteyer for the SNL Hall of Fame.
5: I think a lot of it has to do with what we talked about with being a groundbreaking female cast member um in a coming Onto the show after a decade or more of male-dominated stars on the show and sketches that that usually were centered around uh, maybe the male lead character, um, where the women were often supporting players. And so, for that reason alone, I mean, just being part of just really, really, a, a, when you look at the main cast list from that era, it was those three that we've talked about. Uh, on a gas Dyer, Sherry O'Terry, and Molly Shannon, who were the three female main players on the show, um, uh, before they started started really increasing some of those numbers later on. Um, but it, it's, it's just wild to think. I mean, it was it was just three of them uh, that, that were in that main cast, and and so I feel like she was. Part of an era that redefined SNL again, that brought back uh, character-driven comedy, uh, that that, that relied on the actors on the show to really come up with these memorable characters that appeared time and time again, that you could reliably create a new delicious dish sketch or a Martha Stewart sketch, and you always, uh, you know, any season and uh, multiple times a year, you could have a great, memorable sketch uh, featuring one of Anna Gasteyer's characters. She did it all. I mean, she she played the she could play the straight woman to Will Ferrell's <laughs> zany uh, zany male character, but she always stood her own ground against that and never disappeared in any sketch that I remember. I mean, she, she just with her unique voice, her unique look and style. I feel like she always stood out in a sketch. I do think you know now. Now, as I look back on the history of women on SNL, not all of them would make the Hall of Fame. There are a lot of them, and and really, you know, because there haven't been you know as many women on the show as there have been men. A lot of them would would I, I feel like I'd, I'd say, oh, well, all these women were great because there are fewer numbers of them. I I, I tend to to remember uh, most of them. Uh, pretty well, but not all of them would make the Hall of Fame. I think in recent years, you certainly saw the eras where Kate McKinnon and Aidy Bryant and Cecily Strong took over again as like the reasons to watch the show. And you had Kristen Wiig and you've had, you've had, um, and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And so you had, had those times in history where a female was one of the main reasons you were going to watch SNL. And I really feel like Gast Dyer was one of those reasons to watch in the 90s. You had uh, Anna Gasteyer, Molly Cannon, and Sherry O'Terry. I feel like they deserve their spot in SNL history, and Anna Gasteyer certainly deserves her spot in SNL's Hall of Fame uh, for being a groundbreaking comedian.
2: there's that thank you so much to our guest Nicole Brady and many thanks to Thomas for a wonderful conversation about the great Anna Gasteyer I'm not sure where I lean on Gasteyer Uh, I don't think she belongs on a first ballot I don't think she does Uh, I feel like she's got to earn her way in. Um, A little more uh, time is needed. Um, But let's listen to her sketch. This is uh, Anna playing one of her most familiar characters, Martha Stewart. And Joan Allen is playing Martha Stewart's mother in this Thanksgiving special. Let's go to it now. Tomorrow, on Martha Stewart Living.
0: I'm Martha Stewart. Thanksgiving. It's not just a day for turkey and dressing. This traditional American holiday commemorates the autumn feast when our pilgrim forefathers and the nearby savages put an end to their vicious fighting. In keeping with that tradition, I'll be joined tomorrow on Living by my mother. Get your bangs out of your eyes. We'll reveal some of the Stewart family's time-honored Turkey Day secrets. The hell we will. Cool it. (laughs) Mother will share her famous recipe for twice-baked sweet potatoes. Simple, fresh ingredients are the only secret to this classic side dish. Although balsamic vinegar would be a delightful modern addition. Don't be ridiculous. That's acidite. I just thought that maybe... (laughs) I know what I'm doing. Mother, please don't... Please. The table setting is a wonderful opportunity to marry family tradition with personal style. I've offset my grandmother's stoneware with miniature gourds and these luxurious Moroccan textiles. Your grandmother hated Moroccans. (laughs) We'll also relate some of our favorite Thanksgiving memories. I'll never forget the year it snowed. It never snowed on Thanksgiving. Yes, it did. It's a childhood memory I really cherish. Well, it never happened. Are you calling me a liar? We will not do this here, Martha. Simmer down. (laughs) Of course, no Thanksgiving would be complete without taking a moment to recall a few things for which we are grateful. I give thanks for forsythia, Beefeater's gin, and caller ID. (laughs) Mother? I give thanks for Talbot's, Beefeater's gin, and my flawless memory. It did snow, Mother. Martha, it didn't. It was the same Thanksgiving you fired Maisie for feeding giblets to the dogs. Ah, yes, now I remember. You threw my gravy boat at me and broke my glasses. I loved her like a mother. Join us tomorrow on Living. Thanksgiving comes but once a year. And that is a good thing. It did snow. No, it did not. (laughs)
2: that was great Uh, definitely again one of her more famous characters Martha Stewart Uh, and you can see why she she just does a fantastic job with the with the role and uh, there's some great jokes in there too so maybe that seals the deal for you doesn't quite seal the deal for me but that's just me you might be thinking something completely different maybe you're in Nicole's camp and You think she belongs in right away. This is your prerogative. This is a democracy at work. You get to cast your vote when voting opens. So do that. And please, on your way out as you pass the weekend update exhibit, turn out the lights on the wall because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed.
1: Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Danant saying, this is Doug Danant saying, see you next week.